When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. In three, two, one. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie East, and this, this is the Sunday In today's spooky episode, scientists create a Frankenstein human rat brain, the spooky science at this year's Nobel Prize ceremony, and we discover why some of us are. Why some of us are. It, why some of us are irresistible to those little flying bloodsuckers. But first, it was on this day in 1938, a radio broadcast of H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds, narrated by Orson Welles, led to a mass panic. Listeners were convinced that a Martian invasion was taking place, and they fled to the streets. It could have been written by Mary Shelley herself. Scientists have transplanted human brain cells into the brains of baby rats. Not only was the implantation successful, the human cells actually integrated into the rat brain, growing and forming connections. This alarming research is part of an effort to better study human brain development and diseases affecting our brains. This complex organ is what makes us who we are, but has long been shrouded in mystery. We've been growing three-dimensional cultures that resemble parts of the nervous system for many years now. And so here, what we tried to do is to see whether by putting the cells inside a brain of a rat, we could advance to farther stages of maturation that we've seen before. That's Sergio Pasca, Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioural Sciences at the Stanford School of Medicine. Once Pasca and his team develop the human cells in a lab dish, they study how those cells behave and interact with each other. So we've learned that human cells integrate well into the rat brain. Human cells not just receive responses, they also send signals throughout the rat's brain. And in fact, we found that if you manipulate the activity of human neurons, you can change the behaviour of a rat. And I think... That's very important because most psychiatric disorders are behaviorally defined. So with this platform now, you can actually transplant patient cells on one side of the brain and test in that in vivo environment whether there are circuit level and behavioral consequences for that disease context. So by transplanting these cells into a rat's brain, we can learn more about how to treat these psychiatric diseases. Most of what we know about the human brain comes from studies done in animals. And so there is a unique opportunity now to capture previously inaccessible stages of human brain development with this model that at stages where many of the psychiatric disorders actually arise. We've used cells from patients with a specific form of autism and epilepsy and found that only by transplantation 
can we actually identify defects? Like the cells, you would look at the cells in addition, you wouldn't find any differences, but then you put them in and suddenly we see differences in how complex the cells mm -hmm. really are. Transplanting human cells uh, will may most likely reveal disease phenotypes that we would not be able to see yeah. in a dish. As beneficial as this research appears, there are obvious ethical questions about merging human and animal cells. It's also becoming clear that if we want to understand psychiatric disorders, which are to a large extent uniquely human conditions, we're going to need human models. There's a moral imperative to understand the biology of the psychiatric disorders. Sometimes making bold discoveries will require developing bold new methods. I think ultimately a platform like the one that we've developed here would allow us to gain new biological insights into what makes the human brain unique and what are some of the biological basis of psychiatric disorders. And ultimately, I think, it can also function as a platform for studying drugs. And now that platform has to be put to work. Hopefully, we will be able to, in the near future, translate some of the findings uh, into the clinic. So genetic forms of autism, epilepsy and schizophrenia. We hope that this platform will enable the discovery of new therapeutic targets that could benefit patients with autism and other neuropsychiatric conditions. One of the strangest aspects of quantum physics is entanglement. If you observe a particle in one place, another particle, even one light years away, will instantly change its properties, as if the two are connected by a mysterious communication channel. It's a strange phenomenon that Albert Einstein called spooky action at a distance. Mm, earlier this month, Frenchman Alain Aspect, American John Clauser and Austrian Anton Zelinger were awarded this year's Nobel Prize in Physics for their research into the area. The winning trio's experiments should now pave the way to a new generation of powerful computers and telecommunication systems. And it usually is portrayed as something which is sort of very weird, very mystical. And it's true, there are weird and almost mystical aspects of it. But this year's prize is for work that has made clear what quantum mechanics really Means. That was Thor's Hans Hansen, a physicist and member of the Nobel Committee for Physics. There are two main areas of entanglement research that have garnered a lot of attention. One is in quantum computers, which promise a leap in the ability to solve complex problems. And the other is in encryption, with entanglement making it impossible to eavesdrop on private communications. This spooky science is going to be a real game changer. <laughs> Still to come at the Spooky 7, an unknown force is wreaking havoc on spies and civil servants, and we deep dive into the Twilight Zone. It started with an odd piercing drone. It was persistent. High-pitched. High-pitched sound. Very, very loud. Those who heard it say it's soon followed by strong nausea, an incredible case of vertigo, dizziness, excruciating headaches. These mysterious afflictions were first reported in the Cuban capital in 2016, and they were thus called Havana Syndrome. Havana Syndrome. Havana Syndrome. But it's not just Havana. Since 2016, reports have come from every continent on the planet. The symptoms have been described as an invisible injury. Many victims reported brain injury without ever having any head trauma. 
What's even stranger is that of about 200 reported settings, almost half of them involved American diplomats and spies agents. But some have questioned whether the syndrome's even real, suggesting the stress caused what's called a psychogenic illness of the mind. Here's neurologist Professor Robert Ballow. He's the author of the book Havana Syndrome. When you see mass psychogenic illness, there's usually some stressful situation, underlying situation. And of course, in the case of Cuba, and the, ambassador, the embassy employees, particularly the CIA agents, they certainly were in a stressful situation. Over the last year, new evidence has emerged. That led a panel of scientists sponsored by the State Department to conclude that pulsed microwaves were most likely responsible for at least some of the cases. Here's Professor David Relman, chair of the National Academics Panel, that looked at the evidence. For many of these people, real injury, real neurologic injury took place. It took place through a mechanism that we cannot precisely pinpoint, but we think could be linked to this relatively unusual mechanism that that really has not received a whole lot of study, pulsed microwave energy. Some are linking the attacks to electronic surveillance, others to weapons. Although the panel's assessments in progress, definitive evidence of what started in Cuba remains elusive. beneath the surface of the ocean, where shadow and light meet, exists an almost hidden world. Known as the Twilight Zone, this area of our oceans is home to an incredible variety of life, where creatures are straight out of your imagination. It's deep down, it's dark, it's cold, it's under really high pressures. It looks pitch black. And to human eyes, we would see nothing. The only light is from bioluminescent creatures. A flash here, a glow there. It's a foreign world in the middle of the deep, dark sea. Heidi Sosick is the lead scientist for Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute's Ocean Twilight Zone project. The Ocean Twilight Zone is full of a diversity of amazing life that many forms that most people have never seen from specialized bacteria through um, amazing fish that are have adaptations to live in a place where it's hard to get food and it's really dark. We also know now that many top predators, things like whales and sharks that we're used to thinking about living in the upper ocean, they actually spend a lot of time deep down in the twilight zone. In the past, scientists were only concerned with the top and bottom of the ocean. Now, they're starting to unlock the gateway to these deeper waters. The more we're learning about it, the more we understand that it plays a big role in these global processes. Water cycles, the nutrient cycles, the carbon cycle. The ocean contains a huge amount of carbon, storing almost 50 times more than the atmosphere. Getting carbon into the abyss keeps it there for thousands of years and out of our atmosphere. The process starts with a bunch of hungry animals feeding on phytoplankton at the surface. Ken Bessler is a senior scientist on the project and he says... They come up at night time to feed on that plant matter and carry that carbon down with them. Actually, it's the largest migration on this planet. Trillions of these small, tiny animals, the fish that eat them, move up and down every day. This is the ocean carbon cycle at work. To get the carbon to the bottom, well, what goes in must come out. And the result looks like a blizzard. 
All of that material becomes what we call marine snow, this kind of distributed rainfall of organic debris, carbon really based material that settles slowly to the deep ocean. A recent study estimated there could be 10 times the amount of animals and organisms in this layer than previously thought. And that means this peculiar part of the deep blue could hold the key for a better climate future. It really is one of the last frontiers. And amazingly, you know, we, in some ways we know less about our own ocean than we know about the moon or Mars. Every time we make a measurement, every time we go out and, and observe the ocean, we learn something new. Still to come on the Spooky 7, NASA's on the hunt for UFOs, and there are ghostly goings-on in a house in Texas. <laughs> right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. It's impossible to hide from them. They'll sniff you out, hunt you down and sink their teeth into you. No one's safe, but some of us are distinct blood-sucking magnets. There are many popular theories for why someone might be a preferred snack. Blood type, blood sugar level, consuming garlic or bananas, or even just being a woman. Now, after a three-year study, scientists in Leslie Vossel's lab at a US university think they've got to the bottom of the mosquito mystery. Long-chain carboxylic acids, which is a fancy technical term for these greasy molecules that live on your skin. Bacteria eat these acids on your skin and create a stink, and some of them smell more than others. Scientist Mia Elena de Albaldia led the research at New York's Rockefeller University. Nylon clothes worn by the subject were placed in a device she built herself, and the mosquitoes were drawn to the strongest smell. When you put them head to head, it's striking. The hope is these results will improve repellents. While here in Europe and in places like the US, mosquitoes are certainly an annoyance, but in much of the world they're spreading deadly diseases, killing more than 700,000 people a year. Better repellent will just save lives. If you're unlucky enough to smell irresistible to mosquitoes, scientists say changing your shower gel or your diet makes no difference at all. The mosquitoes will still find you. Hard luck. That was the sound of US Navy pilots celebrating after they locked onto an unidentified flying object design across the sky back in 2015. 
Videos and clips like these have fueled years of UFO speculation and questions about extraterrestrial life. Now, NASA's taking charge and looking for more answers. The space agency is officially launching a study on unidentified aerial phenomena. A group of 16 people, including astronauts, astrophysicists, biologists and oceanographers, will be digging into all of the unclassified data that's out there and finding better ways to analyse and catalogue it. The team aims to make all of their findings public by mid-2023. So how's all this going to go down? Well, Terry Virts is a former astronaut and retired Air Force colonel. He joined CNN to give his take on the upcoming project. Well, I think the big thing for them is going to be to get data, uh, which is something that's different than what we used to have back in the 1950s when there was a lot of quote-unquote UFO sightings. Uh, we have radar tracks from Navy ships. We have infrared cameras from Navy pilots. And I've had a few guys on my podcast, Down to Earth with Terry Virts, that have talked about the data. I think that's going to be their focus. What I'm really hoping is that they get to the bottom of it to the extent they can. Clearly, every sighting cannot be explained, um, but I think we're going to get a little bit more color and uh, detail on exactly what these things are. Many of them are probably just drones or atmospheric sightings, but some of the cameras and radar tracks that the Navy fighter pilots have seen are really interesting and they really seem like not normal uh, aircraft type of things. So NASA's relying on the data to figure out what all these unidentified aerial phenomena are. If you hang out in certain corners of the internet, the answer might be obvious. Could these sightings be extraterrestrial life after all? Well, that's a complicated question. I've never seen them myself. Uh, it seems with all the billions of planets that are out there, you'd think that there must be some life out there. I think that life is very complicated and that somebody has to make it or get it started just from a scientific point of view. Uh, it's so complicated. The problem is those planets and stars are so far away. It would take thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of years to get there. Uh, so I think there is life, but I can't be sure. In Gainesville, Texas, a homeowner's faced with a hair-raising problem trying to find tenants. Like a revolving door. The longest anyone stayed in this house was six months. Linda Hill says she and her husband had no idea why, but after ten tenants moved out after two years, someone told her it was haunted. She didn't believe it at first, but then, while she was taking a shower, through the curtains, a dark figure whispered, looking good. And then he turned and walked off. Linda assumed it was her husband until her husband walked in. And he said, who were you talking to? And it was like, oh my God, it really is haunted. Rumour has it the house used to be a brothel, which may explain why the ghosts here are a little bit um, how do I say this? Sexual. No other way to put it. Yeah. Even audio recordings have caught the ghosts talking dirty. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Yeah. Yeah, I like it like that. For those reasons and many more, Linda gave up on finding tenants and gave the house a name, Hill House Manor, where people can now investigate the ghostly goings-on for themselves. No thank you. This has been The Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris.